Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, in this season of Advent, we visit John the Baptist. He said, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? This Sunday is known as Refreshment Sunday. You probably know it even better by the words of our opening collect. Stir up. It's Stir Up Sunday. Stir Up Sunday has taken its name from the Book of Common Prayer, especially in England, and it's become a bit of a tradition since the time of Queen Victoria, because her husband Albert loved his Christmas puddings, and so the tradition was on Stir Up Sunday, that was the day that you would stir up your Christmas pudding to get it started. Now, the tradition developed then that, of course, when you stir up your Christmas pudding, you always go from east to west. So you're going to uh, stir uh, counterclockwise. That's because the Magi came from the east to the west to see the baby Jesus. Stir up is not really about stirring up Christmas pudding. Stir up, O oh Lord, is really the work that God does in us in this season of preparation. And it's tied to the joy that we receive in this season. It's a refreshment Sunday. You might notice that there's a pink candle this Sunday. The church in the time of preparation throughout its years used this third Sunday of Advent to celebrate ordinations. And so it's become a tradition to have something joyful like ordinations on the third Sunday of Advent. You also get a rose Sunday or a refreshing Sunday in the midst of Lent, but we'll save that for next year. Refreshment. It sounds sort of crazy when our reading from the gospel began with you brood of vipers. That doesn't sound particularly positive. But the readings are actually come together with something that is extremely positive, that is very hopeful, that sends us on a positive trajectory in our life. Repentance. We don't always hear the message of repentance as something refreshing, as something hopeful. We don't often hear it as something that is productive. But in fact, repentance is meant to be exactly that. You may have read the great Christian uh, novel that is really a, an allegory written by John Bunyan, and it's entitled The Pilgrim's Progress, written in the year 1678. And this allegory is about a young man who travels through life, 
and it's an allegory of the spiritual life. Now, if you're writing in 1678, you are basically inventing this sort of devotional, spiritual journey writing, and so you don't have to be particularly creative. The main character's name? Christian. And what city does he live in? He lives in the city of destruction. And where is he headed? To the celestial city. It's not very coded. It's very straightforward. But it's the story of how Christian takes the burden of his brokenness, his humanness, and his sinfulness. He carries it in a huge bag on his shoulders, and he begins a spiritual journey to somehow find freedom from the burden that he feels he is laden with. Each week, we make our confession. It's part of our liturgy, and I offer absolution for sins. You know it well. You can probably say it by heart. We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. The burdens that we have as human beings can often weigh us down by the things that we have thought, by the things that we have said, or by the deeds that we have done, and even sometimes by what we did not intend to do. But they often burden us. And so each Sunday we come as part of the preparation to realize that we are human. We fail and we cannot forgive ourselves. We need Jesus to forgive our sins. I stand before you and I give the absolution. We don't believe in the Episcopal Church that your priest is forgiving your sins, even though I get to dress up beautiful and wave my hands in front of you, I carry my burdens as well. And I need forgiveness as well. I am declaring the truth of the gospel. The church has asked me to do that on behalf of all of us, that we need not carry the burdens upon our back of the things we have done that God loves us so much that God will forgive us for those things that we have done. And he wants to lift that burden off of us. And so I'm given the wonderful, joyful call of reminding all of us, reminding myself, that God's forgiveness is never earned and it's always a gift of grace. If only we would receive it. I love that image that John Bunyan writes in his Pilgrim's Progress. Christian has made his way to the cross. The burdens are just about ready to weigh him down so he can no longer move. And then that omniscience narrator says, quickly, 
Get rid of your burden, for until then you'll never be settled in your mind or enjoy the benefits of the blessings that God has given you. Is that a prophetic line? Or you will never enjoy the benefits of the blessing that God has given to you. That is the good news worthy of rejoicing. That God has given us blessings in the forgiveness of our sin. I love what happens then. The straps that hold the burdens to Christians back are then broken loose and the bundle of sin and torment and burden that he carries tumbles into the empty sepulcher where Jesus has risen triumphant over death, sin, and the grave. It is a beautiful allegory, but it is our journey. That wonderful gift of repentance and reconciliation is given to us in a free gift, and we recall it today. That line that Bunyan uses did not just come out of his own head. It's repeated in our own prayer book as we brought our prayer book to America. It's at the very beginning of the right one service. We rarely use it. It's an exhortation to the congregation before the service begins. It's a reminder of sort. It's found on page 316 and 317, and it says an exhortation. It's meant to be an encouragement. And one of the amazing lines in there says that you may confess your sins so that you may receive the benefit of absolution. That you may receive the benefit of the forgiveness of sin. I think so often we have to sort of self-flagellate, punish ourselves for the sins we've done, and we don't receive that great benefit we've received by a free gift of Jesus Christ, as if we somehow think that our faith tells us we have to earn it. I remember the words of the bishop who ordained me, Bishop Ted. In our confirmation class, he gave just the most simple illustration of the great gift of our forgiveness. He says, it's as if you had an uncle, one you really didn't know, and he left you a million dollars in his will. And the uncle dies. What does that make you? And the class eagerly says, Bishop, we'd be a millionaire. And he said, that's right, you'd be a millionaire. But until you go to the bank, and you begin taking out that money to spend and enjoy, you never get the benefit of being a millionaire. How many Christians carry their burdens and they never realize that they're a millionaire? They've never really given themselves permission to receive the forgiveness and the love of God, and they don't have to carry that burden. That they're a millionaire. And they can enjoy it. 
or in the words of our prayer book, that they can receive the benefit of the absolution. That's what this Sunday wants to remind us of. It's the great gift that we have in repentance as we give the burdens we carry back to God. They're taken. They're forgiven. They're bundled and they're rolled into the sepulcher because Jesus is risen. He's defeated death, sin, hell, and the grave. And that's what we do here each Sunday. We remind ourselves of the great gift that we have so that we can live into the abundance of the gift of Jesus Christ in our life. For we Christians are millionaires of grace. Do you choose to live into it? Amen.